0: Hello, and welcome to the Original Remake Podcast, where we discuss and compare an original film and its remake.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Original Remake Podcast, where we discuss and compare an original film and its remake. Ultimately, we seek answers to three questions. Does the remake do justice to the original? And if you just watch the remake... Do you get a good sense of why the original was successful or not successful and thus remade? But most of
0: all, which movie to watch, the original or the remake? Okay, so we're gonna, uh, today we're gonna compare a couple of movies about a uh, former University of Oregon uh, student athlete by the name of uh, Steve Prefontaine. Uh, the first movie we're reviewing is called, uh, Prefontaine, uh, came out in 1997. Uh, directed by Steve James, who also did uh, Hoop Dreams and uh, Life Itself uh, later on. And this one stars uh, Jared Leto in the starring role, uh, Arlie Ermery as his uh, coach, Bill Bowerman, uh, Ed O'Neill as Bill Dellinger, Brecken Meyer as uh, Pat Tyson, who is um, uh, his roommate in in college, uh, Amy Locane as Nancy Ailman, who is the the love interest. Oh, well, actually Mac Wilkins, uh, played by Brian McGovern. Oh, who is a uh, fellow teammate of his. And I think that's pretty much our main characters in this one. Um, uh, again, it's about this uh, Steve Prefontaine who you know, as a kid, was always told that you're too uh, small and you would basically wouldn't amount to anything. And uh, he basically said, I'll show you, and becomes one of the uh, the fastest um, athletes uh, in high school. Then we have Without Limits, which
1: came, uh, I believe, just 18 months later. I think Prefontaine came out in January of 97, and Without Limits came out in September of 98, which... I read that they were actually supposed to come out much uh, closer together, kind of like a deep impact Armageddon thing, like a couple months apart. Uh, but the uh, box office disappointment of Prefontaine uh, caused Without Limits to try to, I guess, get away <laughs> from that failed film uh, as far as they, they could. This one is directed by Robert Town, who uh, most famously wrote a screenplay for Chinatown, so he's a very successful screenwriter. Steve Prefontaine is played by Billy uh, Crudup, who most people probably know uh, as uh, the lead guitarist and almost famous—probably his most, no pun intended, famous role. Uh, Bill Bowerman, the coach here, is played by Donald Sutherland, and it's a little bit of um, more of a Phil Jackson type coach in this version, whereas in Prefontaine, Arlie Army is kind of playing his uh, his usual more drill sergeant sort of gruff. Uh, kind of short, short-tempered character. The love interest is Mary, played by Monica Potter, which actually differs from Prefontaine as far as they used a different girlfriend. Um, both of those people were real and had relationships with Steve Prefontaine, but at different points in his uh, college career. And you have uh, some of his other uh, teammates, played by Jeremy Sisto uh, and Matthew Lillard. Um... I think Matthew Lillard probably has the uh, Brecken role. Would you say that Peter has yeah. kind of the more? I wouldn't call him quite comedic relief. It's not like he's goofy, but has some of the more, um, I guess, silly reactions to some of the training sequences.
0: Yeah, I actually found it interesting too uh, when I was watching Without Limits to find that Jeremy Sisto uh, was in uh, was in it because Breckenmire Meyer was uh, in Clueless with him and they're in separate movies here about the the same character or yeah, same character.
1: If only they could have brought in uh, you know Alicia Silverstone and Brittany Murphy as the love interest in these various productions then we would have we would have been cooking then. Yeah. Um now I had never seen Pre-Fontaine, but I had seen Without Limits before and this is actually one of my favorite uh PG-13 Movies And I, I make that distinction because I watched it a lot when I was in high school, when I worked at a video store and we weren't allowed to play anything in the store on the televisions that was R rated. You mm-hmm. play PG 13 and Peter, you, you know me, you know that I tend to like more, I guess, adult fare. Like I was watching taxi driver at a very young age. So there wasn't a lot of, you know, family friendly movies that I wanted to like play while I was working like eight hours So this one kind of fit the bill, you know, it's, it's, it easily could have been R rated if they'd put in, I think a little bit more foul language, you know, there's, uh, there's sex, there's adult drama, it's, you know, it's it's tense, it's a, it's about a sort of a man's man. Uh, so I actually have seen this one, I don't know, probably, you know, 20 or 30 times during those days. I would just, yeah. So watching it again, um, I was just like, I was one of those annoying people if I'd been watching it with someone that I would have been like saying the lines before they came up, which is probably uh, a very weird thing to say, don't you think? Most people would say that about Rocky or Star Wars or The Godfather, and I'm saying it about Without
0: Limits. Yeah, maybe even Back to the Future, but yeah, you know, sure, you know, Without Limits is up there with Never those Never heard of movies. it. Back to no? the Future. Yeah. No idea. It's an <laughs> in- indie film um, directed by some I think guy there's or...
1: another podcast that has a title taken from that film, but I've oh, forgotten it as well.
0: 88 Mile Per Hour Podcast, that one?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that was very noble of you to not not pimp out your own show there. You're uh, we're growing on this podcast.
0: Oh, my my show, that's right. Uh, Hydrate level 4, you can find that at followingfilms.com. <laughs> um Yeah, it, uh, so tell me tell me about your experience Were most of these first time watches for you. They were uh, uh, pre-Fontaine. I've actually I, re- uh, I recall seeing the cover box while working at Blockbuster also in my um you know mid-teens uh i had not seen it until this the you know viewing it for this uh review i've i don't think i've ever even heard of without limits um and wow
1: you're you're really doing a disservice to your fellow oregonians there like this is this is one of your all's like icons
0: well that that's the thing i i had never heard of this guy and uh, I did not know that movie Prefontaine was even about a uh, former Oregon Duck until uh, you and I discussed, you know, reviewing you know such a movie for the upcoming, you know, to pair it up with the well, not pair it up, but to kind of release it around the uh, upcoming movie Race, um, right? You know, so th- that's when I was like, oh, it's about Oregon Duck. So I I am surprised that I had never even heard about it, uh, and surprising the. I was even more surprised to find out there were two movies about it, and the second one being produced by Tom Cruise. And yeah, it, it's kind of crazy. Uh, Bill Bowerman, uh, apparently a co-founder of um, of Nike, you know, who they they don't s- mention them by name, but uh, Phil Knight was uh, the the other person that you know founded Nike, and uh, that name I know, but because <laughs> he's still around, and um, you know putting money into, uh, you know, the 66 uniforms worn by the uh, Oregon team. And yeah, I, um, even even the state of Oregon. I am surprised that there wasn't shelves, you know, f- filled with this movie. Uh, I mean, but you mentioned that it did poorly in the box office. I wonder if Titanic had anything to do with it, you know, because I didn't think this was a bad movie, and I thought that uh, the, the director had some kind of, uh, you know, credit to his name, so... Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I don't know why I performed poorly in the box office. Do you, do you have a, an idea?
1: I, I think at the time, uh, you know, Jared Leto, I think then was probably most famous for my so-called life, playing the, the sort of uh boyfriend boyfriend character on that that you know show that wasn't, you know, it was also very low rated, but it became sort of a cult classic amongst younger viewers in the 90s right on MTV. Um, I also think that uh, you know, as you mentioned, we're we're doing this the week that race comes out. Uh, not a lot of movies on on this particular sport, and you know, not being insulting to the people that participate. This, I I think that people this is one of those things they only pay attention to for the Olympics. I don't know how many people really even are aware of you know who who are the great you know American track stars right now before they, they get to the Olympics. So I think it's a hard sell. Uh, as you said, it wasn't even, you know, this is a guy from the seventies right? that, uh, you know, spoiler alert, if you've not seen either of these films, but you know, he, he passed away way too young and, in a car accident, which both films uh, portray, but also they do portray it in different ways, sort of like, uh, there are different events surrounding it. Um, and the other thing is, it's about a guy who doesn't win the gold. You know, he's he he may have been the greatest, you know, uh, American runner, but because he was killed before, I guess his you know his peak before his his time, we we don't really know. So, I think that that applies to it. You also mentioned Tom Cruise, which he was he produced without limits. I think it it took so long to get that film into production that he basically aged himself out of playing. The Steve Prefontaine role. Yeah. And I imagine uh, if you'd come out around the, uh, you know, a few good men, the firm era, that uh, the box office results would have been quite a bit different with Tom Cruise in this role. And uh, it's, it's unfortunate because I'm, I'm a big fan of Without Limits. Um, not so much Prefontaine. And I think I, I texted you uh, ahead of time and said, you know, the thing that I think we're going to talk about the most is the the style. Mm-hmm the uh, the way they choose to portray this film visually you mentioned steve james uh, who's famous for his documentary filmmaking the great hoop dreams it was a little off-putting to me that doing a you know fictional film with actors that he chose to portray at least the first half of the film predominantly as a documentary Mm -hmm. where you had the actors uh, such as you know ed o'neill or Arlie Ermi uh, showing up in old age makeup to tell the story of their experience with Steve Prefontaine as if you were watching a documentary. That didn't that just didn't work for me. And I don't know uh, I'm kind of interested in your take on it because as I said I had seen Without Limits so many times that I already sort of knew the story and I didn't really like it trying to be a documentary without actually being one. I felt like I just Steve James should've just made
0: a documentary then if that's the style he wanted to go with. I agree with that, that if, you know, he was gonna do something like that, maybe it should have been a documentary. Uh I'm not exactly sure why why he chose to do it this way, obviously, but um it didn't ruin it for me. I, I thought it was fine. It did cut me off guard a little bit because as they were showing different characters, I was like, "Wait a minute! These, these are actually the, the actors in old age, uh, age makeup." Um, the old age makeup actually didn't look that bad for for its time. Actually, I I, I kind of bought it. There's been uh, movies that have uh, done it worse, but um I agree with you there. It's not the execution of it mm-hmm. that's bad. I think it's, for me, it was just
1: the idea of it. Like, why why even do it this way? What's it? It feels like a cheat. Like, which is interesting because. I think that Prefontaine actually probably, if you were showing these films in like a high school class, mm-hmm. like trying to explain who this man was, I will say that the first one, Prefontaine, probably does a better job than Without Limits as far as giving you more detail about his, his life. You know, it starts when he's a child. And his, you know, his battles as, you know, an amateur athlete, as far as the expectations of the time, what the, the sort of the government would, would allow our, our Olympians to do compared to other countries. I felt like I got, understood it better watching Prefontaine than Without Limits, where it's more hinted at, uh, and they don't go into full detail. It seems like Without Limits skips around a little bit more.
0: See, I, I just, I watched them too close, uh, together, and I don't know if the order of my watching, uh, you know, kind of hindered like maybe my opinion on uh the latter movie which was uh, without limit but um you know i i kind of i kind of bought into it it it, it, t- it did take me a while i mean you mentioned like you know a, a good chunk of the beginning was kind of in that style before we actually get to see more of the story and then they start you know kind of uh, intercutting these uh, interviews uh, again but i it didn't. T- it took me until about maybe halfway through the movie where I'm like, "Oh, you know what? They, they haven't even shown Jared Leto in old age makeup, so I, I guess this guy died prematurely." Um, that's just that just shows you how little I knew about Steve Prefontaine. So um, I thought it was kind of interesting that that uh, we were getting like everyone else's kind of perspective. You know, I I kind of liked uh, Mac Wilkins the most. You know who. He's just like, you know, this this son of a bitch always seems to beat me even even like after death, you know. Uh the um the the guy
1: that he's in the the, uh, the, the disc is, throughout is, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I felt like uh prefontaine like I said, it fills in more of the details, so even his interactions with uh his, you know, fellow athletes at Oregon, um is explained a little bit better, but what did you think about the relationship with Bill Bowerman as coach? Because I felt like that was done much more in depth and without limits mm-hmm. uh, their relationship than it is in Prefontaine.
0: That I agree with uh, Ed O'Neill. Actually, he he didn't have a whole lot to do. It it, it seemed like we got more of him in the uh, the beginning at Prefontaine, but once um, well,
1: you know what's interesting is interesting about that. Uh-huh. I wondered that too apparently w- without limits, you know, this goes into this weird or sort of rights territory. Okay. Like, you know, they obviously for telling a true story, you can, you can use, you know, the people as far as, you know, here's what happened. Like, I'm sure, you know, like something like Al- Oliver Stone's JFK, some of those real life people probably didn't want their name associated with it because, you know, it's been accused of being some sort of huge conspiracy theory and fantasy and not, not based on any sort of reality. But Prefontaine is based on the Ed O'Neill coach, who was, the, from what I could tell, more of an assistant coach to Bill Bowerman. Mm-hmm. But you see him a lot more, and I wondered, I was like, why is this guy even in here? It's because Prefontaine, that was who they basically talked to, to sort of build their story. Like, they basically paid him to sort of, you know, give all the details, whereas Without Limits came from Bill Bowerman, who's played by Donald Sutherland. So I felt like both those films of showed who was backing them, in a way, because, and I don't think it works in Prefontaine, because as you said, Ed O'Neill is in it and then he just sort of drops off the you know out, out of the story completely whereas in without limits donald sutherland is there like you see their relationship
0: grow like throughout the film until like the final scene yeah that that does make a lot of sense just because of like the um i, I guess we can call it kind of the the, the recruiting process you know we right. um in Prefontaine, it's it's uh ed o'neill that um does it is it ed o'neill that goes to him Mm-hmm. And then yeah, yeah, and then there's a like a newspaper that that says oh Bill Bowerman wants you or whatever, and uh, in without limits, it's like they they have to convince um, Bowerman like hey we need this guy you know and uh, so so yeah it, it was it was really interesting to kind of see that perspective from from the coach and the the assistant coach the. It was also interesting that they chose to go with a different uh, love interest as well, you know. So um I think that also goes back to which one was, you to know, the consultant, mm-hmm. yeah,
1: on the film. Yeah. And, and no, no offense to, you know, either one. I've I've read, you know, a little bit because I'm I didn't really know much about this guy except through Without Limits. Mm-hmm. Um so, you know, before this podcast, I tried to read up and uh, from what I can tell, it's it's really kind of split down the middle as far as, you know, most people who knew him think that Fontaine is a better representation of, like, the small details. However, Without Limits is the one that uh, was able to film in the actual locations around Oregon and, like, so where he grew up. So, it's, you know, it's just a matter of what you want as far as, you know, Without Limits visually represents it more how it was because they were there mm-hmm. you know, where these things happened. And Prefontaine, I think, had you know the correct uh, relationship he had. Uh, you know that was who he was actually dating at the time of his death. Whereas, without Limits, he used a, a different relationship. Um, so, I, I don't know. For me, I kind of come down on the side that I think Without Limits is a better movie, and Prefontaine is a better. It's not a bad movie, but it's like a better sort of history channel kind of movie as far as it it's, fills in it's a better details.
0: documentary <laughs>
1: yeah yeah it really is and uh, you know i think that's you know steve james i think that he's just using the the tool set that he has like what what he's he's good at um i think without limits robert town he makes it more i think it's a more dramatic story mm-hmm. um you know there's for one there's how he he injures his his foot oh, yeah in both films before a race uh you know and without limits he's doing some sort of weird like (laughs) yoga like sex move or something like he just he makes him i think more of like a a han solo kind of roguish character and uh, i don't know if that's the way billy crudup plays it i think jared leto plays it more like a like a a passionate young man and billy crudup is i don't know he maybe to me he just looks older but I found his his version of the character more interesting. Hmm. Uh, what about yourself?
0: I actually like the Jared Leto version. Yeah, I, I kind of bought that more that this guy, he's got a you know he's had a chip on his shoulder his entire life, and uh, that that's what drives him to always uh, want to be number one. You know, we we get a little scene where he's running with kids, and he wouldn't even let a nine year old beat him in this mm-hmm. in this little jog. Um, Billy Crudup, yeah. I, I, I wonder if it is because, you know, I associate him with, like, Almost Famous and, uh, to a certain extent, Watchmen, you know. Um, I, I I wasn't huge into his portrayal. You know, I was, it it took me a while to kind of, um, to accept his portrayal of it. And I, I, I I prefer to watch these kind of back to back, but I wonder if that sometimes, you know, kind of hurts, like, the second movie. You know, just because I'm like, well, the first one I already watched, and I kind of got used to that. Now I'm kind of, especially when they're so close. Yeah, yeah. And story beats. Yeah, yeah. And so now I feel like maybe um, I'm not really giving the the second movie its its fair um, dues. You know, because I'm like, well, I, I like the, but but what I do like about both movies is they have, um, you know, both like really good casting. You know, um, uh, Dean Norris. I, I had no idea was even in this movie, but I know. He was in um, other movies, like True, uh, not True Lies, but Total Recall, and um, this one I didn't know he was in until I rewatched it, but Hard to Kill was Steven Seagal. So he's always kind of been around, and to see him... And I felt
1: like he was a better version of the character than even Ed O'Neill, d- who gets a lot more screen he, time. He gets a lot I, more screen I, time. I bought him. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. I, I actually... I don't know. I liked um, Arlie Ermey's version of uh, Bill Bowerman, too. Uh, Donald Suther- Sutherland, I... I don't know, man. I, I wonder if it's like Hunger Games and movies like uh, uh, was it A Time to Kill and things like that. I just it was hard for me to buy him as like a, like a hmm. like a coach, athletic coach. I,
1: I've read that. I've read that. You know, the people who knew the man think that Arlie Army feels more like him, which is interesting because Bowerman gave his insight to Without Limits, um, and I don't know if that's Robert Town just being able to make this a more dramatic film, but I preferred his version because I felt like I got more insight into what made Bowerman and Prefontaine tick in Without Limits uh, because just the way he introduces them, like where he's telling them, you know, put his foot there and then he starts talking about the weight of the shoes. Like I felt like it was more about the, the art of running than uh, prefontaine, because for me in that film, the coaches are a little bit more hands off, whereas in Without Limits, it's constantly about this, this guy that he cannot, he's almost uncoachable, like he can't get him to sort of buy into his system, uh, which both films deal with his, his uh, inclination to be a front runner, mm-hmm. like he, he doesn't believe that you should, like lay off the gas at all, or you're, basically, you're not running honestly, if you're like, if you're not giving it your all the entire time. And for me, I thought Without Limits did a better job of sort of examining that, I guess, the strategy of running than Prefontaine. You know, but
0: um, maybe even 15, 20 minutes into Prefontaine, I, I did even think like, you know, this this kind of comes off as a uh, kind of like a TV movie. You know, mm-hmm. as far as like the production, like I, I felt like no money was, uh, uh, put into this. Uh, I wasn't able to look up, you know, the numbers or anything prior to. Without
1: Limits had like
0: three times the budget. Oh, it, and it kind of shows. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so yeah, I, and you know, I don't think that's a bad thing for Prefontaine that it comes off as a, like a TV production. Um, I, I actually, uh, dug it, you know, and I, I did kind of see, the uh, you know like the IMDb ratings for both movies and it, it does look like you know uh, without limits was uh, better received. Um, you know I I actually just kind of lean towards more of the the uh, prefonte and <laughs> I w- I wonder if I just I just really dug Jared Leto in, in uh, his portrayal of this. You know I, I I can see now like you know what people were seeing him like earlier on. I still haven't seen. Um, what is that one about the drugs with, um, yeah, like Marlon Wayne's is also in it?
1: A Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, he's in that, that's right? excellent. Yeah, yeah, yeah. that's awesome, movie. See, so
0: yeah. I, uh, I, I missed a boat on that. And did that come out, like, shortly after, uh, Prefontaine? Was 2000, 99,
1: 2000, somewhere in there, yeah. I think. Yeah, so pretty yeah. close,
0: you know, around, um, that, that's, uh, he was, he was starting to do pretty well, you know, I could, I could kind of see, you know, why he uh, also did well in um, Dallas Buyers Club, you know, and just kind of really uh, got into the the character. I didn't get to read uh, too much about, like, uh, Billy's preparation into this role, but I read that Jared Leto, you know, he ran with people, spent time with the actual family. Uh, He got, you know, the, the running form down that... Um, Fontaine's uh, real-life sister, when she saw Jared Leto, she was in tears. You know, just like he, he just embodied uh, her, her her late brother. So I I didn't see anything about that about Billy. Did you Did you read read on that? I think it's
1: it's a difference in the the style of both films, where they are going for that more documentary feel of pre Fontaine. Mm-hmm. I certainly felt like Jared Leto was giving a more authentic portrayal of like a young athlete who who's just driven by the this goal to 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 be the best with billy crudup and actually just how robert town writes and directs that without limits the, the film i felt like he was portraying it uh, as more of like a legend or like sort of like a myth mm-hmm. like character like he was sort of larger than life i didn't feel like he was one he just didn't come across as young as jared leto and that might just be their their respective ages at the time of filming uh but yeah there's just an air about him that there's a bravado just sort of already like a sense of accomplishment which i know that you know prefontaine was accused of being very cocky by his competitors uh but yeah i felt like he was playing it sort of after the fact like, you know, with hindsight, how people kind of, you know, have talked about him throughout the years and sort of built him up. And because of the documentary flavor of Prefontaine, Jared Leto was trying to play it more
0: as it was. Yeah. So
1: I think it's just a difference in, in style yet again, even in the performances.
0: Yeah. And I think that's why I, I dug the the Jared Leto version, you know, or his portrayal. You know, I, I, I like to see him cocky because I, I that's what I believe. And uh, I, I see your point about the uh, Billy Crudup. Um one thing that was, you
1: mentioned TV movie-ish that I didn't really care for in Pre-Fontaine was, and it's funny because it kind of falls more in line with what you would expect from Without Limits is during the, uh, the terrorist attack on the Olympic Games in, in Munich. They, they set it up, you know, that both films show the poor conditions that the American athletes had because they're amateurs. That, you know, the, basically other people were sort of pocketing the, the money there and making them sleep and, you know, pretty low rent type situations especially compared to other company or countries where the athletes are, are basically paid to be professional athletes mm. but in pre-fontaine because of it he sleeps out on a balcony and they set it up that he sees you know one of the terrorists like makes eye contact like on the other balcony the gunman with the hooded i didn't i felt like that was you know her film that was trying to be more low key and just matter of fact felt way too dramatic. Whereas, you know, without limits handles it in a more, like, to me, it's a more heartbreaking way that, you know, he watches television and they say, you know, okay, they've come to agreement. They're going to, you know, they're going to give the terrorists a plane and they're going to get the hostages back and the Israelis are going to be okay. And then it's Bowerman waking him up and saying they're, you know, it it's they're all gone. Basically, that you know, there's some, there's something happened and it didn't work out and and they've been killed. Uh, I didn't really like that they put, I guess you know, pre so close to it in the mm. pre Fontaine version, okay. and it, it 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 felt like it really stuck out
0: with their their documentary style. It did. Um, I I don't have too much uh, to uh, say about that, but during that scene in pre Fontaine. It did make me want to go watch uh, Munich, <laughs> over which yeah, is a great film. Yeah, so I, I saw that. In you theater. know, I, t-
1: I take that back. If Prefontaine is making you want to watch Munich, then it gets bonus points. So actually, you know, I I remove my criticism then because I love Munich.
0: Yeah, I I, I remember um, watching Munich, and I I think is it is there. I think there's a documentary or another movie that was also uh, about it too. And so when Munich came out think i had preferred the other one so i i, I feel another original remake episode coming on of then. a remake of an episode yeah so <laughs> yeah we'll, we'll have to see when is the uh the, the olympics coming up isn't it this year isn't it or i i don't, yeah. I don't know the olympics yeah 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 I don't, uh, you can
1: tell we're you know we're just having olympic fever already Murca. with prefontaine <laughs> <laughs> um uh,
0: so what do you think about the uh kind of um how like. Prefontaine was uh, treated you, you know uh, after you know his loss and, and wanting to uh, go beat this uh Finnish, uh athlete uh, that that beat him in what was it that the they oh it was in, it was in Munich you know when um you know that, that he had been training for for for, for years well I've, i think with you know prefontaine
1: uh the 97 film they give him some degree of victory afterwards because he arranges a competition um, in Oregon, with his teammates, uh, basically an exhibition mm-hmm. match of various sports, and uh, you mentioned the the discus thrower there gets gets to to beat you know his competitor has I think has his like you know record throw there in that that competition, mm-hmm. and they they basically you know come to an understanding of one another and you know, have this this moment at the end. It's these two allies in track and field in Oregon who have, you know, kind of batted heads given their their sort of different ways that they carry themselves. And I think that, you know, that happens that right before the car accident that kills them. So I think that in a way that that film gives them a victory, whereas without limits to me, it's far more tragic and senseless feeling because they don't even have that exhibition. Um, he's basically just, thinking about training and how to get how to get his next victory how to win like I, I much prefer the without limits the car crash sequence because it's him like going over times his head and without limits so it's all the things he's going to do in the future and then his life is cut short so for, for me it's much more depressing and without limits it's obviously sad and prefontaine but there's one last sort of
0: accomplishment before before he passes you know, we've been mentioning it, how Prefontaine is like, you know, documentary style. I kind of prefer that ending because it, it, I think it tugged at the heartstrings a little bit more for me uh, just because we have been seeing, you know, um, or hearing insights, you know, from these you know supposed real people. And so at the end, when they're kind of reflecting on the death and stuff, you know, it, it, it really got to me. So, uh, so I, I kind of liked that. We just disagree on almost almost every point here. I just don't, about. Uh, you
1: know, the the coach, the, uh, you know, Prefontaine, uh, I think the only, well, you know, it's even a tie on the clueless actors. Yeah. You know? <laughs> so is that how we should break the tie? I, I mean, it, I, I think that's the only way to do this here. Um, so, you know, do you prefer Breck and Meyer or
0: Jeremy Sisto as your clueless representative? Breck and Meyer. I, I'm actually not a fan of Jeremy Sisto. Um, <laughs> and I am. I'm a big fan of Jeremy <laughs> well, Sisto. <laughs> when I watched him in Clueless, I'm like, this guy's like fucking 30 years old, you know, and it, <laughs> I, I could never. He's got my
1: favorite line in Clueless, Peter, that when he raises his hand uh, after the teacher's ro- head big ro- oh. spill. And it's like my foot hurts, and he just that he he cannot even be bothered to say I need to go to the bathroom. Just my foot hurts like that. For me, I, I will always love Jeremy Sisto. Oh,
0: that, and I think he voiced Batman in one of those DC animated films. I think, so. I think you're right. Well, I mean, I really hated the, the the scene where he's uh you know takes advantage of uh, Brittany Murphy, and he's like, hey, can you do your hand like this? You know, rolling with the homies. I'm just like, oh come on, just rolling my eyes is what I'm doing. <laughs> so, uh, well, I'll agree with you there. I don't. I, you
1: know, I didn't much care for that character because he, he passed up on dating that sweetheart, Bernie Murphy. So, yeah, he's definitely, uh, the cad. He's the bad guy in Clueless. And, and,
0: and Meyer ends up with her. So, there you go. You have a good argument. You have a very good argument.
1: (laughs) So, uh, yeah, this is probably the first, I think, episode we've done where we, we've pretty much looked at both films completely differently and, as I said, and I think you said as well, it may come down to which one you watch first, because they tell a very similar story I, I had seen Without Limits so many times, and you watched Prefontaine first. So, uh, you know, hopefully our listeners, uh, you know, based on what they've heard, choose to at least check one out. I, I think, you know, either one's worth watching, mm-hmm. um, and I, I think it's a fascinating story. So, uh, you know, if people don't get out to the theaters to see Race, you know, on the – this opening week, then check out uh, one of these two films.
0: You know, um, I, I I do have another. Where are you with the uh, the love interest? I, I actually am a little biased because uh, I like uh, Amy Locane because uh, she was also in uh, one of my favorite movies growing up, um, uh, School Ties, where she was also the, the love interest of a, a student athlete and Brendan Fraser. Uh, Monica Potter, she is uh, she's easy on the eyes, but I'm not a big fan. I uh, I just have to uh, you know
1: abstain for this from this vote. I didn't I didn't have really a strong opinion either way on the the love interest, okay. uh angle from either film. So yeah, um, if it had been Brittany Murphy, that would have been the winner. So say <laughs> sure. <laughs>
0: um, I don't know, but but uh, uh, without limits does have uh, Matthew Lillard. You know, a distant cousin of um, Damian Lillard. I'm pretty sure. Who, uh,
1: <laughs> as of this recording, just absolutely destroyed the Golden State Warriors. So I know you're, I know you're feeling proud about your your Portland Trailblazers. I'm, pr-
0: I'm pretty happy, and I'm pretty sure they'll probably lose the next two against Golden State this season. But doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Doesn't, we that we was, got one. <laughs> <laughs> it,
1: was, it was a whipping too. It wasn't so. I mean, it's a good one to have.
0: Yeah, and you know, I, I don't want to uh, dwell on this too much, but I, I saw a quote uh, from Clay Thompson uh, saying that Portland caught them on an off night, like you guys just returned from like. The All-Star Weekend. I mean, I understand you're doing some things, but you can't discredit, like, the, 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 defense and, uh, Lillard going for 51, you know, and Curry still had, like, over 30 points. Draymond Green, you know, was uh, approaching a triple-double. Um. I think Clay Thompson could watch one of these two films. I don't think Steve Prefontaine would give those type of excuses. No, absolutely not. He, he would ask for a rematch, which the Warriors will get two more. Um, and, you know, if, if for nothing else, both of these movies pronounce Oregon correctly.
1: There you go. The (laughs) the seal of approval. It is not Oregon.
0: (laughs) Um, You know, and I guess we forgot to mention that uh, Without Limits being produced by Tom Cruise, his cousin is in this movie, too. Yeah, very briefly. Does he even get a line? I don't recall, but he's like in the beginning of the movie. He's there. (laughs) He's standing there, though. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I want that gig. I want to be Tom Cruise's cousin. Yeah, that's it. You know, just to have your name in the credits, Mopther? I, I still don't know how to say it. William Mopther.
1: I, I will say he's very good in a film called In the Bedroom, and he actually gets to act in that film. So check out; it's an excellent movie. Uh, Tom Cruise's cousin uh, he rules in that, hmm. uh, but playing a very Jeremy Sisto-like character, not playing a very nice guy.
0: Is this a, a, a more uh, current movie, a recent movie?
1: No, I think he got nominated for Best Picture in two thousand and two or three. Oh wow! Um, so yeah, uh, check that out if you if you can. Sound- uh, also, I'm, I'm going to you know transition us out of this episode and say you know we were talking about some nba basketball uh peter you host another show that we mentioned called hydrate level four yeah which uh it's a, you it's can a find sports where? show <laughs> no one episode is at the sure. very least one sure. episode
0: yeah uh, you can find that at uh, followingfilms.com uh, recently i just uh you know got the um i, I recruited uh jameson of real films um podcast and also my co-host over at We Got 5, Devin, and we just, you know, talked a little bit about uh, our thoughts on this um, recent NBA uh, trade deadline, you know, just the moves and also Um, more so on uh, the teams that we were big fans of. So that would be uh, your Boston Celtics that you uh, share the love of uh, with Jameson and Devin's uh, Orlando Magics, who were also big players in the trades, and uh, my Portland Trailblazers. So we spent an hour and a half, which was kind of surprisingly um, surprisingly long, but uh, I I, I had a good time, but... um, yeah, Hydrate Level 4, you know, we review older movies that um, I grew up watching. Usually it is, but, you know, I try to do some stuff out of the box every once in a while. So, uh, again, fallingfilms.com, and, you know, uh, your show also is on that network.
1: Yeah, that would be War Machine versus War Horse. Uh, we're
0: doing a little bit
1: of an outside-of-the-box pairing uh, for the movie Race. So, you know, the premise of that show is uh, a new release will inspire... Uh, conversation about two older films that uh, share a similar theme but approach it differently uh we're not doing a sports theme we're doing because uh, you know that's what hydrate level four does They got <laughs> the sports talk on lockdown uh we're talking about plotting against perfection is our theme so uh you know jesse owens is going uh you know a black man racing in nazi germany for the for the olympics uh when you know their beliefs were there was you know there was one sort of uh, sort of Aryan super race, you know, that was perfect and everyone else was inferior. And so, you know, he kind of puts that to bed, shows them up. Uh, we did one that was uh, very dark uh, sci-fi film called Gattaca, which mm. is about, uh, you know, the ability to create, you know, the perfect individual really at birth to get rid of any uh, future disease. And so Ethan Hawke plays a man who it was a natural birth and is still trying to uh, go into space. Uh, even though he has sort of been deemed uh, incapable of those type of tasks. He's inferior. And then the other one is the off-the-wall, uh, there's something about Mary, where you have Ben Stiller and Matt Dillon and a bunch of other comedic actors basically plotting to attain the perfection that is Mary, played by Cameron Diaz. So we have a very you know dark sci-fi take and a comedic take. That's the premise of that show. You can find it on followingfilms.com. And uh, interact with me on Twitter, at War Machine Horse.
0: Yeah, and uh, I'm at HLF Podcast. All of these shows, these wonderful shows, can be found also on iTunes and Stitcher. So I can actually say that now. That's, that's very exciting stuff.
1: It's not a lie anymore. <laughs> it's, not, it's, not a, you know, it's not a promise of something yet to come. And so, it's not a joke. Uh, let's, let's tell our listeners what's coming up with Original Remake. What are, what are we talking about next week?
0: uh I, I hope you have the schedule cuz I, I i did not look <laughs> uh but th- there is one thing i, I, I did want to mention uh, looking ahead uh in you know you did a, a wonderful job at you know um pairing up some movies uh, in in our future here and um it it appears that the uh, original remake is, is starting to kind of uh transition into like a original remake reboot uh, retelling mm-hmm. you know so uh so that's that's great because i think that kind of uh, uh wide widens our horizon or however you want to freeze up a little bit it does
1: have some different com- conversations so exactly I actually
0: just pulled up the schedule
1: uh our next episode will be kind of tying into triple nine uh where you have some cops and criminals you know working together for their own gains uh we will be talking about a uh True remake, Assault on Precinct 13, the 1976 and 2005 version, which I know I think you said you've already seen the Ethan Hawke version, yes. which I just talked about in Gattaca. Mm-hmm. I've not seen either, so it'll be fresh for me. And then the episode after that will be kind of our new format for uh, London Has Fallen. We'll be talking about Olympus Has Fallen and White House Down, which kind of like these two films came out uh, very close together within the same year. And it was about the, the, the White House being, you know, taken over by outside forces so yeah we're going to kind of uh, open it up a little bit more and give our listeners hopefully some some different takes on the same stories being told in different ways
0: yeah and to our uh newer listeners that have found us uh, via itunes or stitcher and maybe not so on stitcher because uh, apparently that's been down for some time we killed it <laughs> yeah yeah again so many people have been waiting for it and once they got it, it it crashed but um yeah if you're wondering about our logo you know where we have uh magnificent seven and seven samurai well that will be coming um later on this year so i did see that on the schedule too
1: it should have been out but uh, (laughs) magnificent seven was supposed to come out i think this month in february and it got pushed back to the end of the summer or september so yeah that will be on the schedule
0: yeah that review was actually supposed to be our second episode and you i think you messaged me and it was just like did you know seven was like almost four fucking hours (laughs) and at the time we were doing it bi-weekly so like you know it probably could have happened but uh yeah i need
1: need the extra time thank you to the movie studio for pushing it back for (laughs) absolutely months appreciate that all right so that that was fun uh follow us on twitter at original remake uh we've as we said we've got some stuff scheduled but we're always you know there's some weeks that are not filled in so give us some ideas on what to cover and uh uh, we will do it because we, <laughs> any sort of interactions, we're going to hop to it. We're going to make sure you get what you want.
0: Yeah, and at this time, um, you know, we bid adieu, and uh, Mike and I will go for a quick run around the track here. <laughs> you can be the Breck and Meyer to my Jeremy Sisto, sure. Okay, sure. All right. Well, let's let's go.